Rob, <laughs> Rob, thank you for being here. My pleasure. And I mean, this is just um, wonderful. I mean, I saw you down there in the Winter Garden, you were with your wife, which I wish I'd asked to come here too. So please forgive me for not asking you to come. Maybe we can work, you know, do you another time, and then I'll have, that to be two podcasts out of one. That'd be fantastic. Tell me, let's start off first of all, where were you born? I was actually born in Los Angeles. So was I. Yeah. Uh, born in L.A., my parents lived in Alhambra at the time. And did, we did this already, haven't we? I don't think this so. Time. Okay, okay. In Alhambra? Yeah. What, what, what year were you born? 1967. Right at the end of 67. December. Okay. okay. So yeah, born in L.A., uh, moved around a, an incredible amount, both as a kid and then as an adult. Um, so it's kind of nice that you ask where were you born rather than where are you from because I have terrible time with the question where are you from. Because would your father was in service or something? My father was an engineer who um, worked project work and he worked for a number of different companies gotcha. but it was always work a project, finish it, move to the next one. Work a project, finish it, move to the next one. And so as, as a kid I, I moved I don't know exactly how many times, but it averaged about every two years. But you sound like, Rob, like you're the only child. No, no. Um, okay, because you see, you moved all the time. How many children did, you, did your father have? I'm my sorry. father had four kids. My mother had two kids. So my father was married three times and then had a, a very long-term relationship at the end um, with, uh, not his fourth wife, but his, his, his fourth love, I guess. Um, but... He had two children in his first marriage and two children in his third marriage. Where are you? I'm number three of the four. Wait, chill, okay, wait. So which marriage are third you marriage. the result of? Third marriage. Yeah. So how many siblings are related to you and your you, your dad and your mother? Uh, there's me and, and my younger sister. Okay, so he had two by your mother. Yeah. And then two uh, from his first marriage. Okay. An older brother and an older sister. How many years difference were they from? The, were you, since you were the 14 first. 14 and 11 years. Wait, you're 14 years younger? I'm 14 years younger than my brother. Who's the next one to you who's above you? No, my, my older sister was nine years older than I am. Okay. And my older brother was 14 years older than Did I am. Did you all live together? No, we never lived together. Um, we did know each other growing up and, and, and had a lot of interaction, but they were considerably older than, than we were. And so, um, odd relationship, I guess, or, or what you would expect with uh, such a big age difference. Are you still, I mean, close with them? Are we ever close so my with them? my older sister died um, yeah. in 2011. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then my older brother still lives in Israel, and yeah, we... Still we lives in Israel. In you mean that's where your father was married? He lived in Israel? No. Uh, sorry, my dad started. I'm gonna find, in, yeah. I'm gonna find out. My dad started in Chicago. Okay. Um, so your dad grew up Chicago. mostly in Chicago, and okay. his first wife he met in Chicago when he was quite young. Okay. Was she Jewish? She was Jewish. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, your mom is, and you told no, me. No, my already. mom is not. Okay. So his first wife was Jewish. Yeah. He had two kids by them. Yes. Did they move to Israel? Ever? No, my brother moved to Israel 30 odd years ago. He went to kibbutz. Okay, yes. And then uh, uh, decided that he liked it. He went back and he opened his own business, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, a uh, fiber optic company, and stayed there, uh, met his wife. He's got, you know, f uh, five kids of his own there now. And you're not close at all? We're. Uh, we keep in touch. I mean, okay. we're, we're not uh, daily talking or anything like that. Right. But yeah, we're. But we're do you, you do you consider yourself brother? You just happen oh, to have yeah, the same absolutely. father. <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely, so really? consider ourselves siblings and um, okay. try to keep in touch. Try to keep track of his kids. Um, have been to to visit him in Israel a couple of times. Mm -hmm. okay. um, yeah, I mean, we we, we tried to do as well as we can. He mm -hmm. comes through to the Philippines occasionally um, and a couple of times on his routing through I've gone up to the the, the route that he takes us through Seoul Korea mm -hmm. or Incheon in Korea so I'll go up and, and meet him there sit down have lunch with him kind of chat catch up and, and whatnot and then he heads back to do you guys look alike anyway um, not really. I mean, I think that there are some similarities. The big and he's ears. not orthodox. He's not orthodox. He is orthodox. Yeah. So he has the locks. He's, he's no. He's not, uh, he's not Hasidic. Hasidic. So Hasidic. Yeah. Um, 
but he is quite religious, um, very, very observant and, and what I would call orthodox, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, and he and all of his kids as well, and okay. his, his wife. Right. Um, my older sister was as well, mm -hmm. though she then ended up marrying uh, a man who was not Jewish. He converted. Um, she got him to convert. She got him to convert okay. for the wedding. Um, as, as she put it, the conversion didn't stick. <laughs> but uh, he's a great guy. Um, well, you're, you're still close with him? Um, They're still together? I don't... No, 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 no. no. Okay. My sister passed away oh, I'm sorry, uh, that's back in 2011. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, right. Um, and he's since remarried. I was thinking about... You're talking about your older sister. You're talking My about your sister. brother's sister. Younger sister and I, I are very close. We talk often. Okay. Um, and how many years between the two of you? Three. Okay, so you guys are really tight. Pretty tight, yeah. I mean, pretty tight. That's the tightest more, more so you lately than, uh, than probably when we were younger, but yeah, definitely. Does she have children too? She has one little girl. And you have one Ray, and girl. I've got my one son. Now, my okay. son's 23, and Ray is six. Okay, so... So, so we're very, very big difference. Um, she had her daughter late in life. Um, I should probably kill me for saying this, but unexpectedly... You don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> no, it's okay. We can, we can cut this out, you know. No, it's okay. Okay. Um... And uh, she and her husband got married three years ago, I think it is. Um, she wasn't married before then? Or? They're, both, they're both Ray's parents, but they married after Ray was born, yeah. Right, but they, and then they decided to get married? Yes. So they met, dating, had a daughter, unexpectedly. What generation is she? Generation X? Oh, wait, she's, she would be, be right mother? at the tail end of Gen X, yeah. Gen X. Yeah, because I'm trying to get this. The more people I'm interviewing of different ages, the more I'm trying to, because it's just throwing me for a loop, the different way people perceive life and how they're going through it. Because mine, being a baby boomer, was very clear, I thought. Yeah, and I think we that... We started to get away from that I think bit. that Gen X still has something of a, of a clarity, but there's this muddiness to life for the Gen X folks. Okay. Because we never really fit. You're Gen X. I'm Gen X, yeah. Right. So is my sister. Yeah. I think my sister. So I'm, I'm relatively early Gen X, I think. Right, right, right. Um, my sister is a little bit later, and, and it was a short generation anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, then you move along, and, and my son is a millennial. Um, I, I guess now it's Gen Z. Right, um, or something like that, right. And, uh, I guess Ray is a Gen Z. Now, my, when you say it was a short generation, what do you mean short? How was it short? Aren't well, com comparatively speaking, in the number of years that Gen X covers versus the number of years that the baby boomers cover or the number of years that... Well, how do they decide? Don't know. It's, it's, is that it's somewhat is that arbitrary. Really true? It's just from, from what I've read, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm no expert on, I thought it was on like, this you topic. Know, after so many, you know, like maybe a couple of decades, then you go to the next... Generation, I didn't know. I don't know. I, I don't really think don't there's know. any standard it to it. I think okay. you know. I mean, certainly for the baby boomers, it's it's post-war. Right. There's, there's you no know, doubt mom about it. mom and dad came home from the war, right. and that's the baby boom generation. Everybody had a doing a chicken yeah. in the pot, and everyone had a car, and it was yeah. Um, somewhere mid '60s, mm -hmm. that sort of runs out, and and the the flower power generation right. starts that's to right. have kids, um, and that becomes. Gen X. Gen X. That's right. Somewhere, I think it's around 82. Um, they start the millennials. They That's right. start the millennials. And those are the folks who <clears throat> effectively are coming of age at the, um, at the millennium. Right, right, right. And right. then th there's a, a I, I guess I would call it a sub-generation in there somehow. And, okay. and that's the, the digital natives. The, the folks who were born oh, and have never nothing. not known the internet. Right. They didn't know anything linear. It was and, all digital, yes. And I think most of, of the millennial generation falls into that because, I mean, it, effectively, my son was around and, and computers had become ubiquitous at that mm -hmm, point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but, yeah, information technology makes a big shift, and that's part of the generation mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure there's other technologies that have driven it as well, mm -hmm. um, but the millennial generation—I mean, they're huge. They're the, they're the second baby boomer generation yeah. in in yeah. some ways. Okay, so you're born in LA. Back to that. Yeah, born in Los Angeles. How was your childhood? Where did you grow up then? Since you said everywhere. people like to say so everywhere because your father went from project to project. Name some project places. to project. So give me, uh, give me we we lived in 
California, we lived in Colorado, we lived in Illinois, we lived in Arizona. Um, I, I spent time in, in Korea, in Guatemala, in, uh, in Finland, UK. So well, take me through your age, but take me through the ages because that's going to tell me more about you. Let's say, when, for example, when you were in elementary, was that still, were you still in the States or had you gone outside the United States? Primarily in the States, had been outside the United States at that point where? and come back. To where? The UK. You went to the UK? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what, kindergarten I think started in Colorado, then moved on to Illinois. Illinois was a couple of years. Um, middle school then begins in, in Arizona um, and finished middle school in, in the Bay Area, mm -hmm. uh, in Foster City. Um, after middle school, my parents split up. My mom moved to um, Stockton, California, and that's where we first sort of, that, that's the longest settlement before I graduate from high did school. She, did your mom get married again? Or did she <clears throat> no, never married again. Okay, um, so she was raising the two of you. Yeah, yeah, my mom, a uh, wonderful woman, a, amazingly strong woman who took on my sister and I, which is a challenge, I'm sure. Um, were you pretty? Were you good with the moves, or did you feel really? Because some children don't like moving. I got sometimes. to the point of we don't spring clean, we move. Gotcha. I mean, it just gotcha. became part of life. Um, right. So I never felt odd about it. I think my sister took it harder. Okay. Um, but we moved to Stockton. I, I finished high school in Stockton. Um, from Stockton, went to Los Angeles for university, mm -hmm. uh, Cal State Long Beach, and okay. UCLA. Right. Um, and then, basically, I'd gone on a Navy scholarship to university, so that's my start of the Navy. I, I, I started in the Navy at 18, um, did four years as a reservist, as, as a student. No, well, oh, I did enlist. Well, not enlisted, <clears throat> so you were enlisted, but you weren't commissioned at all. Did you, go in, did you want to become commissioned? Graduate from my, my senior year of high school, I had decided I wanted to join the Navy. I'd applied to the Naval Academy and I'd not applied to anywhere else. Why, why is that? Why did you decide you wanted the Navy? I read the book, The Winds of War and the follow-on War and Remembrance. And I fell in love with the character Pug Henry. Okay. And I wanted to be Pug Henry. So I decided I wanted to be a battleship captain. I wanted to be Pug Henry and a, uh, a leader in the Navy, and that was that was it. That was the what direction. Age, what age were you at this time when you read that? Sixteen. And you said, "This is it. This is it. That's that's the dream." Um, I got to university okay. under the scholarship. So, so I had I'd finished high school. I didn't get into the Naval Academy. Um, How many times did you apply? Just once. I applied twice. Okay. The second time I was accepted, but by that time I was into my third year of, uh, of ROTC and decided it was better to stay ROTC than to move to the Naval Academy. I was closer to getting a commission at that point. Okay. So Because that would have taken longer had you gone... Exactly. It would have added two years to my, right. uh, my would have total. Been a, would it have benefited you in any way? No. None that I okay, can Okay. Okay. Got you. Um, so I, I got turned down by the Naval Academy. I enlisted in the Navy, went to boot camp, and... In boot camp, got a call from uh, a recruiter at the Naval Academy, and it's, it's one of those moments in boot camp, you, you don't get phone calls in boot camp. Right, that's true. Unless someone died. That's right, exactly. And so exactly. You I, thought, I get me. Moss, phone call, and I'm like, oh God. Oh, please. Yeah. yeah. And I, I got on the phone, and this lieutenant from the Naval Academy, um, who, who I, I kicked myself because I never got his name, I, I don't remember his name. This lieutenant from the Naval Academy did something that changed my life. Gets me on the phone and he says, hey look, we, we've looked at your application, you got a great application. Um, you missed the class this time around, but I think we can get you into ROTC on an ROTC scholarship. Would you like an ROTC scholarship? And me, you, you know, very binary brain at that point went, Scholarship? Yes. <laughs> okay. So my answer to the lieutenant was, yes. yes. Right. What's ROTC? Right. <laughs> I had no idea. Would you, you say yes without knowing. <laughs> I heard scholarship. I scholarship said yes. I'm good. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I did. And <laughs> next thing I know, finished boot camp, I'm off to uh, UCLA. 
and I spent four years as a reservist in in UCLA as a as a midshipman, um, which is a, a student effectively. During the summers, you go on cruises with the Navy. Wait, wait, wait you, the University of Southern California. Wait, UCLA. So, I was enrolled at Cal State Long Beach. Right. Okay. The ROTC unit was at UCLA. It's a cross-town relationship. And you so okay. I attended both schools. I did classes at both schools, but my degree is from Cal State. But they bused you there? They just took, gave you, no, put no, you on a bus? You had to drive back. I had to commute yeah. back and forth, yeah. But Bishop, you're, you're a reserve officer. Wait, ROTC means you're reserve. Reserve so officer not, training right. group, yeah. So I was a reserve midshipman. Okay. My job was to be a student. Okay. And then to train in the summertime to become a commissioned officer. So first summer, they sent me to Japan on a, on a ship in Yokosuka. Second summer was something called Core Train Mid. Um, what did it stand for? Career Orientation Training Midshipman. Okay. And you spent uh, a week being a Marine, a week in a submarine, a week on a ship, a week with the aviators. And it was supposed to give you a, an exposure to everything and, and let you figure out what you wanted to do in the, in the military or what you wanted to try to do in the military. And then the third summer, I came back to Japan to Yakuska again. Um, so I... This is not you asking for this. This is just part of the training. I asked for it both times. Wait. So you're an ROTC and then they gave you a dream sheet and said, where would you like to go? Effectively, okay. um, so during the summers, they give you a dream sheet and say, what are you interested in? Right, okay. You fill it out, and I ended up getting the, the ship out of a, a, um, an FFG out of Yokosuka called the uh, Rodney M. Davis. Okay. Um, then the third year, they asked me what I wanted to do, and I, I applied for a exchange program with the Korean Navy. Mm-hmm. And I ended up on, I spent three weeks on a U.S. ship out of Yokosuka, three weeks on a Korean PCC called the Kunsan, and then came back. So six weeks in total working, but on, on those two different ships. Okay. And I was part of a group of, uh, I think it was 10 midshipmen mm-hmm. who were exchanged for that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, then I came back, finished up my, my last year of school. I was a terrible student, so I had an extra half semester. Meaning, how were you terrible? In what way? Just grades you wouldn't study? What, what was causing I, this, this terror? My, my, uh, <laughs> my first semester in college, I failed physics. Okay, why? You just, yeah, because... I just didn't apply myself would be the, okay, the, okay. the, that would be the, the best way to say okay, it, I'm okay. sure. Um, I, I ended up failing the lab portion of the class, which failed the class, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and had to retake that. And basically, that put me a couple of credits behind when things got to the end. And they allowed you to continue even though you failed the class. Yeah, um, I, I ended up on what's called academic probation for a semester. And if you had failed that, then they would have taken away your they scholarship. They would have taken the scholarship away. That's okay. Sure. Gotcha. Um, and I, I did well after that. So I mean, in, in the end, things went well, but I, I timed things poorly and I didn't get, I needed two credits at the end. Mm-hmm. So I finished my fourth year of college, came to the instructors at the ROTC unit and said, look, I, I, I need to take this extra two credits, can I take it in summer school? And the cost of summer school for two credits was roughly the same as the cost for a full semester at regular school. <laughs> and the Navy said, nope, take, this, take the full semester. So I took a full semester extra. This will put you back, okay. Which then got me commissioned in December, um, and, and oddly, it worked in my favor years down the road in, in the way that Navy career progression went. Mm-hmm. But no grand plan. I just you know right, right. was was screwed up. Just winging it, right? Um, finished college, joined the Navy uh, as, a, as a full time officer. Would you owe them? Would you owe them six years? Owe them five years from graduation. Five years from graduation. Yeah, and you already spent four years in college. No, no, no. The no, five years is after graduation. I know that, but you had four years in college. Oh, yes. And that's still on them because they're paying for your exactly. little thing. So then they say, you, you must give me... So essentially, you're giving the Navy nine years. Exactly. Right. Except that as soon as I took my commission and went to flight school, um, in, in the course of all this, I, I decided battleships were not the right way to go, and, what, and what I went to flight school. What changed your mind on that? What changed your mind on that? 
Actually, um, during my senior year of college, the Navy decided to decommission all of the battleships. The, the Missouri, the Missouri, Iowa, right, 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 the, right. yeah, those, those got decommissioned over the course of the next couple of years. They announced the decommissioning in, uh, in I think it was 1989. And you felt that? I mean, you and I mean, that was the dream. It was to, to be on a battleship. But what's, but what's the closest to that would be, wouldn't it be just the destroyers? I mean, the, the um, next thing would have been a cruiser, I guess. A cruiser, yeah. Um, but the the romantic image that I had of the Navy, the which was long guns all kinds guns. of screwed up, but it was it was the romantic image that I had of the Navy changed drastically. They um, they gave me a test called the uh, AQTFAR Aviation Qualification Test and Flight Aptitude Rating. Okay, and I did very well on it, and so I sat down with one of the instructors at the RTC unit who happened to be an aviator and started to talk about this and and he sold me on aviation okay was he, he was obviously an aviator he, yeah I mean, he was an aviator what, was, what uh, did he fly what he did flew he flew e2c's what is a um you have to get, make it layman's e, term sure <laughs> e2c is a carrier based airborne radar platform so when you see the, the ones with dome, the big dish big dome on the top, top. Exactly. Right, got you. But those um, are C-135s in the Air Force. KC-135s in KC the Air Force, right. but um, right. this is a much smaller version of that got that's it. much better than anything the Air Force has. Okay. Had to get my Navy <laughs> right. Wait, 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 hold on, okay, go on. Um, no, the, he was, he was the, the back end of a um, E2C, Okay. and he talked me into flight school, I went off to flight school, but the minute you start flight school, you no longer owe five years, you owe nine years from wings. From wings? From wings. As soon as you get your wings, you have to give them nine years. Exactly. So I spent two years in... Wait, 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 wait. Twelve. Twelve years? Yeah, twelve wow. years. Well, not counting... Uh, no, actually, not counting college. It's more. Sixteen counting Sixteen college. years. Yeah. But the, someone... I just found out from some Navy... Uh, guys in the Navy that I just interviewed yesterday, a young kid, he got out and he said he retired. And I said, how can you call yourself retired? You've only had eight years in. He said, from eight years, you can say you're retired after eight years. Was that the case when you were in? Not at all. And, and not with mine. Not true now either, unless he's medically retired. He is medically retired. Okay. But it has to be eight years, I guess. I, I don't know what the, uh, what the, what the what minimum the is for medical minimum. retirement, okay. but the only way you can retire would before have to be 20. Medical. That's right. It was 20 for me. I told him, when I was in the Air Force, you had to have 20 to say you were retired. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's that's still the same. Twenty is the is unless the investment period for unless retirement. Unless there's some medical reason, exactly why you can get under fifteen. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, medical retirement. Then they kick you over to the VA, and there's that's there's different rules. Okay. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I signed up happily for sixteen years. You know, the next nine odd. Um, so you did retire. You did retire. Oh, I retired. I was twenty four years in the navy. <laughs> but that wasn't counting the extra weight. That's not counting. You were. 28 years, years counting 28 years, right. You're 28 years in the military. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. How old were you when you got out? You were 40? 47. 47, okay. That's not bad. So, so no, no. It was, it was, I was still young. Um, yeah. I, I would happily have stayed. Um, I just got to a point where the options in the Navy and the options out of the Navy had finally flipped to the point that the options out of the Navy seemed better. Okay, gotcha. Um, and, and Chica was part of that. My, my wife was part of that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, went to flight school, Let's signed up for so the longer so period, right. started flying helicopters. But isn't that one of the harder crafts to, to fly? The, probably the hardest. Someone said they're fighting. It's not natural. They're fighting to stay in the air. Um, helicopters. And he's a helicopter pilot. Yeah. Who was he? Was he? I'm trying to think of he was a Marine or what. Um, Frank, you might know him. I want to say Frank Clark the third. He's here. He's, he's okay. Um, I don't know Frank Clark here. There is a Frank Clark who's a Marine aviator, who's a general, two-star general. But um, well, this guy's retired. He's out with the Stars okay. now. Actually, no. Clark was. I think Clark was a four-star. Um, okay. But anyway, um, he's on the podcast though. I didn't remember how she remembers. Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to take a look. Yes, sitting exactly where you're sitting and telling me about the. Was he in the Navy? No, was he? He was in the Air Force. He was a helicopter pilot. And he said they're basically fighting to stay up in the air. They're doing it. It's completely unnatural. 
what it does. It, 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 it's unnatural. I mean, the, 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 the physics of it right. makes sense. The, the how it works, I understand all, all of those things. And the way I think I would describe it is, it's the unnatural part is you have to dissociate your movements from three different, actually four different vectors. Okay. So you, you, you've got left, right, you've got forward and aft, you've got up, up and, and down, down, and then you've got yaw, yaw. rotating. So that's the one that makes it much and different. Yeah. There's relations between those, but you have to unlearn habits that you have when they relate to that. And you have to think about each of those independently and react each of those independently. Okay. So when I started flight school, um, it's probably the second flight where they try to start teaching you to hover. Because hovering is really the hardest part. When the, when the aircraft's flying straight and level, it's, it's very much like an airplane. Okay. But they put you in a box, and that box is about the size of the fountain in front of the of tack. Okay. Very big. And you're in this little Bell Jet Ranger. Um, it fits in the box easily. They put you in the center of the box, and the instructor who's sitting in the left seat, you're in the right seat, the instructor will say, okay, I'm going to let you do the pedals. I'm going to let you control yaw. And so you control the yaw, and he's like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. You do that. You control yaw, and the, the nose moves a little bit, but it's, it's not too hard. It's, it's okay, and it's fine. And then he says, okay, I've got the pedals. Now I'm, I'm going to let you control the altitude, and he gives you the collective, the, the up and down. And you hold that, and, and, and the aircraft will do a little up and down, but it, it's, it's pretty stable. And then you, you kind of dial that in. Okay, that, that's, that's good, great. He says, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm going to let you have the cyclic, which controls left, right, forward, and aft. Right. And you hold that, and it's kind of, you, you wobble a little, right. and you're moving back and forth, but then you, you, you get... But why would you be going like, isn't that just the yaw still when you're going like this? The no, 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 no. Yeah, um, the, the, the direction the aircraft is facing, he's controlling that with the yaw. Okay, you're just yaw. kind of sliding left or right, right or moving forward, forward and, and aft. Right. But as, as you combine those, it may be a little bit left and forward, right, right and aft. Right, okay. and, and so you, you don't move a lot, but you move a little bit, and then you, you kind of stabilize and go, oh, okay. And then you think, oh, yeah, I got this. Okay. This is now I'm going to give you everything. <laughs> and immediately, and it happens to every student, immediately the aircraft goes off in some random direction. Right, right, right. Leaves the box. Usually it's forward. Sometimes it's back. Right. Um, leaves the box. And you're like, I can't, I can't, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't hold it. And the instructors, God love them. They're, they're, they've got just be, yeah. nerves of steel because they'll look at you and go, you're doing this. You, you, <laughs> and you're still doing it and you can't realize, yeah. And, and you're doing this in a place, well, for me it was a place called Site 8, which is a giant, maybe hectare-sized field mm -hmm. of grass. And there's other helicopters around, and they're doing their thing. And wait, you're wait, wait, you're, I thought you were in a box. You said, wait. Originally, you're in a box. No, the box is painted on the ground. No, 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 no. Oh, you're I in an aircraft. See, see, I'm complete. I thought you were in a simulator. Did you're you get actually, in a, You're in an aircraft. You're in the helicopter. Oh, yeah. I ha I'm having fun because I'm thinking, oh, that's so fun. And then after a while, he just turns off the machine and you're done. No. You it's, can actually crash. You can actually do you could, sure. damage. Now, he's not going to let you, but you're yeah, right. you could. Um, Wait, he has the same, he has the same everything over there with, that you have. Oh, he has all the controls as well. All the controls sure. too, so it's dual. Okay. So you, you get in this thing and you're moving randomly. And, yeah. and invariably what happens is you move toward the edge of the field. And then when you get to the edge of the field and you see the tree line at the edge of the field, you stop. Because now some uh, you know, unspoken mental thing in your head is going, oh wait, I don't wanna get oh, closer to that. And, you. you're and, and you'll get somewhat stable. And he'll go, see, you can do it. <laughs> he'll take the controls, he'll put you back in the box. Go ahead, do give it. you the controls again and you'll go randomly off somewhere. And it, it takes, you, usually somewhere between the third and the fifth flight, it clicks. All of a sudden, all and of suddenly comes together. it all comes together and you can hover like a pro. Because these things have no wheels. They're, they're just skids. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then it clicks. 
You're and you can walk and chew gum at the same time. Can I, can I learn to fly now? Can I learn to become a pilot? I mean, a sure. helicopter pilot? Because I am going to. Yeah, oh, you absolutely can. The reason why we were in, I was in Dubai with my son and the pilot, an, Aust an Aussie, not, mm -hmm. that doesn't matter what he was, but he said, oh, this is difficult. You'll never be able to do it. <laughs> Seeing the wrong words to me. I, I don't <laughs> think there's anything about it. If people you can know, do provided, it, done. Provided you have your, your faculties and, and physical control. Right. I don't think there's anything about flying a helicopter that anybody can't learn to do. I like the way that you told me the approach that your instructors gave you. Yeah. See, they do it the best because it's the military. And they're, they're, they want you to be able to do it. They're not trying, to, they're not gaining any money or anything else. They want you to be as proficient as you can be and as stable as you can be as soon as you can be. Yeah. And they, they invest all their time in doing that. That's why it's, you still fly, don't you? Do you oh, ever take no, I haven't flown since I came to Japan. How long has that been? 11 years. You don't want to? Um, I, I, I'm, 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 it's not important enough that I'm, I'm jumping around to do it. How uh, many years did you fly? I flew for 14 years. 14 years. Yeah. Now what kind, of, what, what kind of flight was your, what did you fly? Um, <clears throat> the aircraft I flew the most was called the MH-53E and the the another variant called the CH fifty three. What they do? They're mostly utility. The MH was also for mine hunting, so the MH fifty three would would tow sleds through the water that would hunt for mines. I was not a mine hunting guy. I was a um, principally utility guy. My specialties ended up being things like non combatant evacuations, and um, I was an aerial refueling instructor and, and night tech landing instructor. Um, but I spent the majority of my career hauling lots of stuff out to some place in the middle of nowhere or out to a ship, dropping it off, exchanging it for a whole bunch more stuff and bringing that back. You never thought about becoming a professional pilot outside of the Navy? And I did. I didn't want to be a bus driver. Okay. Um, I, I, I mean... That's how you looked at it. I, I probably could have done it. Um, I've got the hours for uh, an ATP, an, an airline transport pilot. Um, I, I would need to tack on uh, some qualifications to my my FAA license, but I mean, I, I guess I could do it under the uh, um, the GI Bill if I wanted to. Right. But somewhere along the way, I, I I used to say there were two kinds of pilots in the Navy: pilots who were naval officers and naval officers who also happen to be pilots. Gotcha. I was more of a naval officer who also happened to be a pilot. pilot. Gotcha. Um, I, I joined the Navy because I was crazy about the Navy. Uh, the, the flying thing was just fun yeah. to do on... Right, uh, that happened. As a, as a collateral duty. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so... What rank did you make it to? Commander. And what is that in the Air Force? Uh, Lieutenant Colonel. Lieutenant Colonel, okay. Yeah, so I got to my uh, Lieutenant Commander Tour Major um, as a what we call department head in the squadron mm -hmm. that's kind of a big shifting point and you've got to come out of that with a number one ticket and a couple of different checks in the blocks from What's number one ticket number one ticket being uh, your number one evaluation among all of the O4s in the squadron what do you mean you wait in order for you to become a lieutenant colonel in order for you to be selected for command of a squadron. Squadron. You have to be the best of all the commanders they're selecting. Of all the commanders in that squadron. In the squadron. You, you've got to be selected by that commanding officer as his number one guy. Oh, I got you. You've okay. also got to fill the right job. And there's, there's a bunch of little okay, ticks in the box that down. you've got okay. to get. Um, I had all the ticks in the box. I got to my next job, and I didn't get selected for command of a squadron. Um, I was working at a place called the Bureau of Personnel, mm -hmm. so I knew literally minutes after the board finished that I hadn't been selected for command. Um, and that fundamentally changes where you can go in the Navy. To make, to make captain, to make 06 colonel, um, you have to have command of a squadron. If you don't have yeah, command of a squadron, you you're never going to make it. So I, I knew early that I, didn't, I wasn't going to have command of a squadron, and so I you know, commiserated first, um, 
beat oh. myself up about whatever it is that I didn't do. Right. Um, and you have no other chance. You have one shot. You have two shots. Two shots. Uh, the second shot is for a, a lesser form of, of squadron, so a training squadron or not an operational squadron, but something else. Can you still maneuver outside of that and go? You can. To go? And, and uh, so I came up with a grand plan to okay. uh, to make imagine. captain by other means. Okay. And I wanted to go to be a naval attaché and convert from aviation to um, foreign area officer, which is a different specialty uh, mm -hmm. um, in the Navy. And I was on track for that. I'd, I'd been selected to be the attaché in um, Bangkok. And over the course of the selection pro process, um, came up with a, a, a conflict of interest between myself and the government of uh, Thailand. Um, someone close who was, was deeply uh, in business with the government of Thailand and DIA decided that was a conflict of interest. So they pulled me out of Thai language training with actually no notice. Um, and How long had you been there? I'd been in training for three or four months at that point. Okay. Um, pulled me out of Thai language training, kind of benched me. Um, there was some up in the air as to what was going to go happen. And then they offered me the job as attache in Gutter. And What's Gutter? Uh, Qatar. Qatar, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, it was a navy term. I'm sorry. No, no, gutter is, uh, okay. is the, the the way the Arabs pronounce it, I believe. Okay, um, guitar. Okay. So they offered me the attaché job there. I'd already spent way more time at that point than I wanted to in North Africa and in in the Middle East. Um, I was angry about what had happened with Thailand. I was maybe not making the best decisions at the time, but it ended up being good. And I'd also just met Chica. How did you um, meet her? We met in Washington, D.C. She was at the World Bank. Um, I, I met, we met online, actually, um, okay. through a uh, match.com, I think, was the, was the site. Okay. Um, but we had just met. That seemed to be going well. And so I withdrew my volunteer status as an attache, which immediately triggered them sending me back to the Navy. Um, and I uh, called back to the Bureau of Personnel, to where I had previously worked, talked through you know, what's, what's available, and I was able to find a job at what was called the Naval History and Heritage Command. Mm. Um, Naval History and Heritage Command is a conglomeration of things. It's the Navy Library, it's the Navy Art Gallery, it's the 13 Navy Museums, it's the Navy Archives, and it's a bunch of historians who actually write documentary histories about the U.S. Navy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went there as the head of the Aviation Archives and as the editor for a magazine called Naval Aviation News. And I had a, a few civilians, a couple of military people working for me. Um, and the magazine was a bi-monthly magazine that came out and, and talked about what's going on in naval aviation. Mm -hmm. So I had a, a relationship with the um, program side of naval aviation, the money side of naval aviation called N88. And as I worked through that job, things went well. Um, the, the retired admiral who was in charge of the command decided he, he liked what I was doing and they moved me to the chief of staff position. And I stayed chief of staff until I left there and came to Japan 11 years ago. What made you decide to come to Japan after you? So you had retired then. So after you finished that job? No, I didn't, I, I didn't retire out of that job. Out of the job. Um, that job I, I had thought I would retire, but the, when, that, when it ended I was at 19 and one half years. <laughs> And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll drop my letter, decide to retire. They can't move me for just the right. last six months. They They'll leave me where I am, and then I'll be in, I'll be in Washington, D.C. Where you wanted to be? Um, Chica was in Washington, D.C. Well, we had gotten married by that be. point. Oh, you'd already been married? We got married about a year and a half after we met. 
But how many, so how many years did you have, how many years were you still in the service while you were married to Chica? Uh, five and a half, six. Oh, so you, oh, so yeah. well into, okay. So she, um, she knows so what it's like to be a military wife. A little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. So the, the, the thing that changed in D.C. for me, I, I had sort of decided Chica had a great job with the World Bank. She was doing well in her career. We had a fantastic life, good friends. I mean, it was, it was a good place to be. And as a retired officer, being a Beltway Bandit, is, it's just easy. So I thought that's what I was going to do. And then I came home one afternoon and Chica looked at me and said, well, this, this Navy thing, we can go other places, can't we? <laughs> what? Wait, I, 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 I hadn't even thought about this. What? I said, well, yeah. Yeah, we can. And I, again, called back to the, the Bureau of Personnel. And I talked to this wonderful woman, Shannon, who, uh, who had worked for me while I was there. And I said, hey, Shannon, I, I need you to, to do a database search for me and send me something. And I had her send me a list of every job in the U.S. Navy that I qualified for, that you know met a certain set of criteria. Mm -hmm. It was for you know the right rank and the right kind of uh, um, designator and, and so on. And I got this list, and it was thousands of jobs. And so first, I I got rid of all the ones that weren't available at the right time frame, and and then I got rid of all the ones that were just nothing I wanted to do, and then I. I got rid of all the jobs that were very unlikely for me to fill. And after I pared everything down to stuff that was a reasonable possibility for me to fill, that I wanted to do, that was in a location that I wanted to mm -hmm. be, um, and, and held some interest for me, there were 29 jobs. Okay. And I took the list of 29 jobs to She's, Chica. I'm sure you did. I said, okay. <laughs> Um, we can ask for these. I, it's not, I, don't, I don't have my choice. Right, 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 right. I, I have to apply and I've, I've got to get to selected. And, and about a quarter of the way into me explaining how this was a process, mm -hmm. Chica looked at the list and went, oh, Tokyo, we Tokyo. should go there. <laughs> and you don't understand. And we went back and forth. Um, but I said, okay, I'll, I'll ask. And there were, there, were actually, um, there were actually two jobs in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. So I, I called my detailer. Detailers are the guys who, who shepherd you into jobs. And I said, you know, look, I'm, I'm really interested in these two jobs. What do you think? He said, well, let me, let me find out. And he sent, um, there's an extract from your record mm -hmm. that we colloquially call a resume okay. and they can, okay. they can automatically dump this extract right. and, okay. and it's a one-page thing that goes to right. a, a command so he sent it off to the command and I got incredibly lucky the guy who was in charge of the command here in Tokyo that it was a worldwide command but the job here in Tokyo that I wanted he had happened to be the roommate at the Naval Academy of the gentleman I worked for, the captain I worked for, at the Bureau of Personnel. Okay, but how would he know that? How would he know that? that he, he saw on my resume oh, that oh, I was oh, at the Bureau of you, Personnel you, you, at okay. the right time, and got he you, said, oh, I, I, I know the guy. Let the, so got you. they called each other and talked right. about me, and, and basically the conversation went, what do you think? Should I hire him? Yes, he's fantastic. I had nothing to do with it. That's I had a, an advocate had a who said, to be great. Yeah. Um, but then what happened is I went from, I don't know if I can get the job to, you're a by name request, you're gonna take you're gonna the take job. <laughs> they call them orders, right. not invitations. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, you know, came back to Chica. But Chica's happy as she can be, she doesn't know what to do. Well, Chica right. was like, well, yeah, Tokyo sounds okay. Is there anything else we can, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We're going to Tokyo. <laughs> So we came to Tokyo, that was 2010. Um, I got here, I think, in May of 2010. Chica came in July. Okay. I met you when you first came, didn't I? I guess Very I close did. to when we first came, yeah. Um, and that's a 
temporary facility, I guess. You didn't come into that. You came into this building. My first time came, was coming into this building, yeah, and uh, Justin Cooper, who was... That's right, because I, I yeah. was close with him and his wife, yeah. Yeah, Justin Cooper brought me in. You took his in. position? No, no, no. no. Justin okay. was the, the defense attache, right. which is a, right. a much more senior job. Okay. I took a job as the officer in charge of the Office of Naval Research Global, which is the international um, command for the Office of Naval Research. Office of Naval Research is everything R&D about the Navy. It's, you know, I think it's $3 billion a year, something along those lines. Office of Naval Research Global is a group of offices. So there was my office in Tokyo, another office I was responsible for in Singapore, another office I was responsible for in Ch Chile, in Santiago at the embassy there. And then we opened an office in Sao Paulo, Brazil, mm -hmm. while I was in the job. So I had those four offices. And then there were two offices, one in London and one in uh, the Czech Republic that my counterpart was uh, responsible for. And basically they have a bunch of mad scientists who run around the world looking at small companies and universities that are outside the United States and figuring out what they're doing in research and development. And then we had a grant program that allowed us to throw money at that and support the things that were interesting. So my office in, in Japan and, and Singapore and Santiago, we did grants across Asia and South America and Australia. Mm. Um, and I, I was lucky enough to get involved with the universities, get involved with the, the principal researchers, help them with grant money and support what was important to the Navy. There were some interesting projects over the years. I did that for four years. And 2014, I, the original tour was supposed to be 2010 to 2013. In 2012, I said, can I extend for an extra year? And the Navy said, sure, no problem. Kept me in place. In 2013, I said, can I extend for another year? The Navy said, no. So I said, you said, pretty please? And they, they said, said no. no. And, and said, then they said, you're going to a boat. Pick it at president. USS. <laughs> George Washington, USS Eisenhower. You're, you're, you're going to pick something, yeah. You're going to an aircraft carrier, that's it. You're, you're an aviator, yeah. we're sending you back to an aircraft carrier. And, I, and, and not for a flying job. Um, and I thought, God, um, I could do that. I could probably go to the carrier in Yokosuka if I wanted to. But I said, life in Tokyo is fantastic. And <laughs> you don't taste this it. is good. And I've got 24 years in, I can retire. <laughs> right, right. So I dropped my letter and said, thank you very much. I'm, I'm going to retire from active service. Um, I retired in August of 2014. No idea what I was going to do at the time next. Chica had started her business here shortly after we got here, um, was doing very well in, in a consulting role, had a... Um, a long-term client who she was on retainer with for multiple years and so basically I, I made the commitment to Chica alright I'm gonna stay in Tokyo for an extra two years until 2016 regardless I don't know I don't have a job I don't know what I'm gonna do but I'm gonna stay here and we'll figure it out and we did I, I ended up applying to grips for a PhD program you get your um, PhD? I did not. No, I, okay. I, I didn't okay. start the program. I okay. just put the application right. okay. in. It really, the, the, the PhD at that point was a, how do I stay in Tokyo? Right, right, right. I got you. Um, and I ended up, luckily enough, getting uh, a job with a company called Paul, who manufactures filters, um, as their aerospace marketing guy for Asia Pacific, um, working in an office in, in Shinjuku, uh, it was a great place to learn. My boss was in Singapore. Um, the, the VP of marketing was back in Florida. Um, and I, I spent 15 months with Paul working at that, helping them kind of get their products out into the world and, and in the Asia market. Um, at the end of that, Paul was purchased by a company called Danaher. Um, I still felt like I was the new guy. I'd, I'd only been there a year at that point. Mm -hmm. And 
that made me nervous. The same day that Danaher announced they were buying Paul, I got a call from a recruiter for a company called Rockwell Collins, which in the aerospace industry was a big name. Um, my, my graduate degree is in command control communications, so their portfolio of products fit my technical background better. Um, and it turned out that the guy I would be working for was a, a former Navy helicopter pilot whose wife I had been in flight school with. So oh, the small would, world. Wait, wait, wait. Why would you have been in flight school with his wife? His wife was a, a Naval helicopter pilot right, as well. She, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, they were okay. both Navy helicopter okay, pilots. Okay. Um, hmm. But she had gotten out, gotten in the reserves. He went into the reserves. Um, he started with, with Rockwell Collins years prior. But it, it just, it, it, everything seemed a great fit. That's wonderful. So I, I started with Rockwell Collins, spent uh, five years with them. The first three years I was head of sales for North Asia. So uh, Taiwan, Japan, Korea, and China. Um, spent every month on the road, two weeks out of the month going to those locations. Did you have your kid already? Yeah, did you, did you have your son already? Oh, my son was. Yeah, big. He was big. I mean, he was an adult yeah. at that point, so no, um, he wasn't living with us. Um, so this is all pretty recent. This isn't that long ago. This started in 2015. Right, 2015, yeah. Um, end of 2015. So 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, I worked for, uh, for Collins, so Rockwell Collins. Okay. Went through several mergers, and they ended up as Collins Aerospace. Mm -hmm. And by the end of that, I was the managing director for Asia. Um, which another great job, but when COVID hit, that was in 2019, really. The um, end of it. Well, that's when, that's when it started. 2019, we started, but it really, I wasn't really aware of it until we canceled our participation in the uh, Singapore Air Show was in February of 2020. Wow. So I actually I got to um, Singapore, and the night before the air show, they canceled. Mm. And said, we're, we're not participating, and by the way, you can't go to the air show site. And you said, okay, now this is becoming so real. Yeah. I came home. That was the last time I traveled international at all. And I, I went from 10 years, I mean, even with the Navy, I was traveling monthly overseas. Right. And you enjoy that? Loved it. Okay. Absolutely loved it, and, and would love to go back to it. Um, but from pretty much June of 2010 until February of 2020, I was outside of Japan at least one week of every month. And then stopped, didn't leave the city of Tokyo until, what, I guess it was about March of, um, no, I'm sorry, May of 2020, we went on a trip to Hakaba. And yet, you and Chico were sitting together looking like you really enjoyed each other's company. <laughs> but I'm just saying, she, <laughs> I met, I'm she's a good actor. <laughs> It was hard for everyone to, to change yeah. their routine because we were all used to moving. And no, we have our partners, but they have to be there every single day. I don't know, is there anything natural about that? <laughs> I, uh, it depends. I mean, I, I know people who do it and love it. If we have a farm, yeah, or something like that, but we're not on a farm. <laughs> but <laughs> from a work perspective, it, it, it hit a lot of things. I mean, the, the aviation industry went down so Quickly, quickly didn't so it? drastically. Yes, yes. And my job as MD, I was attached to the commercial side of Collins Aerospace, not the military side of Collins Aerospace. I worked both, but I, I was financially attached to the commercial, commercial side, side of the, of the business. Hit and I saw that writing on the wall. So I, I another recruiter call at an opportune time, and a company called Fleer Systems called me up and said, we're interested in you. I knew the guy who was doing the job that I would be taking over at the time. And I started talking to them. And this was a, a very long process. We started talking, I think, in, uh, in October of, um, of 19. Okay. And we finished, I hired on with FLIR in September of 2020. Mm. You're with them now? Yeah, I'm with them now. Um, and the thing for me was I knew things at Collins were going to go south for the commercial side 
And what confirmed it, a, a week after I gave my notice, Collins announced 15,000 job cuts in the coming course. months. Um, a week after I actually left and started with FLIR, Collins upped that number to 20,000 job cuts. Um, so it, it was a good decision, I, I think. I think had I stayed, they would have kept me in, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'd probably be fine. But left Collins, which was very mixed emotion. It was a great company to work for. I think I learned more there than, than any place outside the Navy I've ever mm -hmm. been. Um, and really a lot of things that I wish I'd known when I was in the Navy. Gotcha. Um, so the last year, not quite a year, I've been with um, FLIR Systems. FLIR got taken over by a company called Teledyne. So we're now Teledyne FLIR. And I head up their sales for Asia Pacific, um, which seemed to be going well. We had a fantastic first half of 21. Um, I'm scrambling right now to figure out how we're going to make a fantastic second half of 21. What did you do? <laughs> well, okay. I, it's funny because I, I didn't have line of sight to half the stuff that we pulled in in, in the first half of the year yeah. when we started the year. And right now I'm looking at it going, I don't have line of sight to everything, but damn it, we're going to figure it out. What's your, what's your son doing? How old is he now? My son's 23. He, is um, he in Japan? No, he graduated college from RPI at uh, at the end of the twenty or the nineteen twenty one mm -hmm. sorry nineteen twenty school year, mm -hmm. so May of twenty. Mm -hmm. Went to work for a company called Battelle, which is um, a large company based in Columbus, Ohio. They do a lot of uh, defense contracting. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of other stuff as well. And he was working for them in a temp job making cleaning N95 masks. Really? So his job, yes. he, he was with a team <clears throat> that they would come in, they would fill up a container, like a 20-foot like container with N95 masks. Then they would flood that environment with hydrogen peroxide mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that apparently kills off kills anything. Them. And then they would clear them all out and reissue those, ma those masks for reuse. Wow. He did that for quite a while but it was a term position. And just at the end of it, um, Battelle asked him to interview for another job. He got the job uh, working in one of their laboratories. So he's a um, biomedical engineer mm. working in a um, medical testing lab in nice. Battelle. That is nice. Did you ever try to encourage him to go into the military? Is he a US citizen or is he Japanese? He's a US citizen. He's, he's not Japanese. Um, okay. Chika is not his mother. Okay. Um, well, Chica and I met long after he was born. Okay. Does she have children of her own? Chica does not. No. Okay. Okay. Um, right. So the, the, mil the military thing is a is a is a funny, slightly sore subject. Um, <laughs> with him or with you? With me. Okay. He he came to me. I, I had tried never to push him toward the military. I'm sure there were aspects that I you know talked about and said it's great you 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 love it but. I tried not to push him in a direction. Um, in his junior year of high school, to me, out of the blue, he came to me and said, hey, Dad, tell me about ROTC. I said, this is great. Yeah, let me know. So I, I told him what ROTC was. I told him about scholarships and how they work and what I remembered of it and, and what it had been for me and what I had found out since then. And about... Six months later, I get a call from him. He says, yeah, I, I applied for an RTC scholarship and I got the scholarship. I say, it's fantastic. I said, that, I was thrilled. That's fantastic. That's great. Yeah, they're going to give me, you know, X amount of money for the um, four years and I'm going to go to school and it's going to be fantastic. And the, it's, it's wherever I want to go to school. And I thought, oh, thank goodness. And a couple of months later, I, I get a call. Yeah, I'm not so crazy about the military thing, so I think I'm gonna turn down the scholarship. And, and you said, wait, wait, I, wait, you said no. No, no, I, I, I hope I said, hey, I support you. But inside, yeah, I was like, saying. he could hear it, he could hear what it. What the hell? He could hear it, he could hear that. <laughs> so there, there was a while where I was very. Yeah. Um, he didn't go. He, no, he didn't take the RC scholarship. He went to school, he did great in school. He and I, um, had some agreements about 
grades and how long school would take and, and so on. He lived up to all of them. Mm, um, little, little cajoling sometimes on some of the things he was support, supposed to report back on, but he did really well in school, um, actually, good. and uh, graduated in four years. I was, I was amazed. Wow. Um, so yeah, he's done incredibly well. I'm very mm -hmm. proud of him. Do you, do you, how often do you talk with your son? Are you close with him that way? Um, not as close mm -hmm. as I should be, and, and I'm, I'm probably pretty bad about uh, keeping in touch with him, but we try to talk on a regular basis mm -hmm. um, over you know, Google Meet and Google Hangouts. Mm -hmm. um, and I ping him off and on, and gifts and, and, and so Has on. Has he been here? Has he been oh, here? he's been here, what, four times, I think? Four times, that's yeah. eight. In, in the time that we've been here. Um, it, it's, it's funny, too, because, I mean, the, the first time he came, he was probably 14 or 15. And he's 23 now? And he's 23, 23 now, 23, yeah. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm staggered by the change. <laughs> really? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just but grown he, he was raised so by his, many He was ways. raised by his mom, of course. Raised, yeah, almost and she did a great yeah. job. She did a great job. Oh, she did a fantastic That's job. Good. She was very good. Um, I mean, and, and well. yeah. she and I have had our ups and downs, it but happens, yeah. um, I cannot say anything negative about what she did in raising uh, in raising Brendan. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, tell me this: How would you like to end? This is your. This has been good. I mean, because you told a really good story, and these are the type. These are the type of podcasts I don't have to do any editing. I just let it go. <laughs> that was fantastic, Rob. <laughs> how would you like to end this? What would you like to end the audience with? I mean, in by telling them. Wow, what are your feelings about Japan, maybe? My, my, well, and, and that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. I, um, seven years ago, leaving the Navy, staying in Japan, was a bit of a leap of faith. Um, I mean, I, I, I had a bit of an insulation because Chika was Japanese, and, and we had some grounding here, but, um, you know, effectively... I had the opportunity to return to the U.S., have the Navy pay for everything, um, and, and start working there again, and kind of set up life again, and it, it probably would have been easier in some ways. Um, staying here in Japan, I didn't know I was going to have a job. I, I, I still worry about that. I mean, Do I, don't, you really? I don't speak the language very well. But you, were, you, you think that maybe you might just be caught with your pants down, in other words. If, I, lo if I lose my job tomorrow, um, financially we'll be okay. I understand. There, there's changes that have to be made, sure, mm -hmm. but financially we'll be okay. Um, we, we've taken a step toward making that even better. We, we, we bought a house actually uh, a little over a week ago down in Hayama. All right. Um, All right. So, that'll be paid for between my pension and savings and whatnot. If the finances have to work, they can. They can, gotcha. But it weighs on me that if I lost my job tomorrow, well, A, I'm not here on a spousal visa. I'm here on a job visa, so right. I've got to shift but to a spousal visa. You can do I've that. got to you know, do everything within 90 days. Um, and it jeopardizes my ability to stay but then it jeopardizes us financially, and I have no guarantee that but would you I'd be working again after that, because I'm in a very specialized this, this industry right. and, and a, a market, niche right. market. market right. And I, I had a conversation that there's, there's another company, a competitor uh, company of mine that's hiring a, a role, and somebody you know suggested me as a, um, a candidate for the role, and, as I was talking with them, the, the recruiter, I said, look, you know, there's, there's 25 people in the world who are probably right for that role. I think I know 12 of them. And I know seven or eight of those aren't available. And I mean, you can whittle the numbers down really gotcha. quickly. I mean, I, I said, I, I can tell you who you're gonna talk to. I can tell you what they're gonna say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, for the openings that come in my position, in my area, at the level that I'm at, they're few and far between. Gotcha. And I know who the competition is, and I know who's going to be better or worse or, or stronger or whatever for each position. Um, 
But I don't know when they're going to come because you fill those jobs and they're great jobs and they're they're specialized jobs and people sit in them for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so I worry about not being able to to stay here the way that I want to stay here, to stay in downtown Tokyo. You like the way I learned this then. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm going to keep taking that leap of faith because I like being here. I, really? I love the community. I love the life that I have here. I love the, um, the things that are available to me. Um, it's, it's become home. I've, you know, I said I've, I've moved a lot of times. I've moved 30 times over the course mm -hmm. of my life. The longest I've ever been in one location, by more than double, is Tokyo, Japan. Mm. So when people ask me, where are you from? I, I don't know, I got Kanto Jin desu? That's what you are. So, um, it's become home. That's great. Well, look, Ralph, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. My pleasure. This is a really interesting story. I like it. That was really, really good. I can't wait to look at it again, because every single podcast I do, I have to go over it again. Some are easier than others, but this one's going to be easy. Because what was the name of the guy that really inspired you? I, have to, I was thinking, I forgot the name of the guy you just The, the character from the book? Yeah, give me on. Pug Henry. Pug Henry. And I said, I'm going to have to have a little notebook so I can keep things like that down so I can see it later. Pug Henry, isn't that interesting? You know, <laughs> Herman Mook wrote these, wrote these books about World War II. And, and you went through all of them. Oh, uh, yeah. I read, them, I read them when I was in, I, was, I think it was a freshman in high school or right. around that time. I, I, was, I was an avid reader in high school. And, and I just love. fell in love with the, the romanticized version of the Navy that they presented in that book. Right. And I, Pug Henry was this um, larger-than-life had everything together, knew exactly what was going to happen, and was in control of it. That was the character, and I, that was who I wanted to be. Um, I, I never became Pug Henry, and, and you know, thankfully, I guess. Um, but it launched me onto a life path that I've been very, very happy with. Yeah, that reminds me of a movie I just watched recently. I think it's called Crimson Tide with yeah. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. And Denzel Washington. Mm -hmm. And Denzel was supposed to Nuclear be the submarine. And oh, wasn't that bad? And that was based on a, a semi-true story because they changed the whole rules after that. It's you know? um, yeah, it's an interesting, Excellent. interesting concept. Thing. That was so good. Look, Rob, Rob, thank you so thank much. You. Yes, everyone watching this, make sure that you press like, subscribe. I want to have have like 200, 300 subscribers by the end of this year. Remember to reach for the stars. It's all unknown, and what I want to tell Rob is that you're too blessed to be stressed.